Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Corey Hepler. I am your host for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast, the writer and creator of The Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe and Sexy Zombie Hunters. That's right. Number two of Taxi Cab Joe and number one of Sexy Zombie Hunters will be out this year. I am so excited for these titles because they give you a glimpse in to the morbid brain which functions within the side of my skull. Yeah. And while we don't have an official release date yet, <coughs> what we can tell you is it is coming soon. It is. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is my ever fun-loving and fantastic co-host, Jared mm-hmm. Gifford, writer and creator of Darum, Captain of the Stars. Now, <laughs> if you haven't picked up Issues one through three. <laughs> There's two things you gotta do. A, you need to fucking slap yourself. <laughs> and two, go to www.indieplanet.com and, and buy each issue and read them. Yeah, and just forever. Go, just go into the search panel, type Darum. That's D-A-R-U-M. Yeah. And you will find all three issues there. And another thing you can do, you can always just look up Crazy Monkey Inc. And then you'll see all the um, Crazy Monkey Inc. titles that that um, that are available on Indie Planet. You'll find the very first issue of the Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe by me mm-hmm. as well. Now, yeah, this podcast is extremely awesome because we wanted to take it back. Not only just a couple of decades, we're talking a couple of centuries. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about some of the late, great, fantastic horror grimoire genre um, and be- authors. Uh, I, did want, I did want to say, though, I did want to say, and, and, I, and I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, but, uh, but, uh, but, but we did want to say, so uh, um, we are going to be d- d- devoting most of the podcast to these people, um, but but also I did want to make an announcement because yeah. you were talking because you and I were talking about this earlier. Okay, um, that um, that we also did want to, uh, and it's also hilariously enough going back a few centuries. At least that's when this is based. Yeah, but uh, but um, I was uh, you and I were talking about that we're uh, that there's an update on the progress of Ronan Brothers. Yeah. Um, now here's the thing. Jared has just started, I believe it was just yesterday, the day before, the third script for yep. Ronan Brothers. Now, this comic, hopefully, the first one will be out this year. I'm hoping that it gets the praise that it deserves, because not only is it about samurais, mm-hmm. Jared's writing it. <laughs> so if that's not enough an incentive to buy the comic, <laughs> God damn it! what are you doing with your life? Um, but yeah, but I do want to tell people, that <clears throat> just, uh, just to quickly get it out of the way, but yes, um, I'm, just as Corey said, I'm starting the script for number three of Ronan Brothers, um, and, uh, y- you know, and, and, and like I said, it's going to be, the, the whole theme of it is basically going to be almost like, um, it's going to have that feel of the old samurai movies, the classics, you know, it's going to have... Some seven samurai elements in it, some Yojimbo elements in it, some lone wolf and cub stuff, you know, some, uh, you know, um, and uh, and even some uh, manga influences like Roroni Kenshin and uh, and Blade of the Immortal. Now I've got a question because yeah. we haven't really touched a whole lot on this Ronan Brothers yeah. um, idea that you've got going on. Could you give us a couple minutes of a synopsis of how you see it unfolding without giving away too much? 
Oh yeah. Um. Uh, well, basically, the the basic premise of it is that you have uh, <coughs> two former samurai brothers. Um. And 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 we'd covered this before, but for those just tuning in, yeah. Uh, I can reiterate: a ronin is a masterless samurai, uh, a a wandering samurai who has no master, and uh, and and. Well, basically, the 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 gist of it all is these these two brothers um, have a father who was who who was um, pretty much brutally assassinated and murdered, um, or at least the guy gave the order. Was there was another lord from another province who basically wanted their father's lands, and um, and he had their father killed. And the pre premise of the story is they basically travel around to different villages and places taking out not only the henchmen of this particular lord, but then they also help the villagers out from other bandits, other warlords, but even supernatural things like demons and spirits and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you're going to get is a really cool action samurai story that while the main plot may be about revenge, um, it's also, it's also going to have themes of so many other things. Um, and to once again touch on this, uh, if Darren was about fathers and sons, mm -hmm. um, Ronan Brothers is very much about brothers and the spirit of brotherhood. Yeah. Um, and another announcement I want to make about it is uh, we we are we have decided that it's going to be a black and white comic book. Um, the only color we're going to have in it is there going to be splashes of red for the blood. Now. This is very indicative because, as you and I have debated slash yeah. um, come to an agreement to disagree, <laughs> I am of the classic black and white samurai comics. Oh, I love those too. I love those too. Because samurais have a very old-fashioned way of doing things, and mm -hmm. color, to me, unless it's like blood, like you said, kind of takes away of the nuance of it all. And, you know, and, and like I said, it's just a different opinions, different things. But, yeah. But uh, what I want to touch on, whether it was um, old color samurai movies, current color samurai movies, or even black and whites or whatever, I just love the whole entire genre as a whole. And what I want to <coughs> capture is just kind of the feel of those. Basically, I want it to feel like a classic samurai story, and I want it to touch on themes that the old classic samurai movies touched on you know themes of like what is honor you know what does it mean to be a samurai what does it mean to be uh you, you know what does it mean to be a good guy what does it mean to be a bad guy you know um where uh, what is black what is white and what are the gray areas yeah you know? Um, I, I want to touch on so many of those things that so many of the great um, old samurai directors did. Now, one of my favorites, and you and I both are favorites, uh, this guy's one of our favorite directors when it comes to samurai movies, is Akira Kurosawa. Akira Kurosawa, I think, has done some of the best samurai movies ever. Because um, he, he did <coughs> he did Rashomon, he did mm -hmm. uh, Seven Samurai, he did The Hidden Fortress. If he, you guys haven't yeah. seen The Hidden Fortress, yeah, you have to because yeah. it's it, yeah. it's amazing. The lack of better words because it's mm -hmm. got this plot that it's got so many twists in it. You just don't know how the movie's gonna end, and once it does, yeah. not only are you boggled, you're actually happily surprised at the ending. Well, not just that, but uh, the Hidden Fortress, um, for those that don't know, and give a little bit of a history lesson, but mm -hmm. uh, um, the Hidden Fortress served as the inspiration for George Lucas's Star Wars. Exactly. That's 
This is why that samurai film is so iconic because it gave George Lucas the idea of mm -hmm. what if I were to make this movie sci-fi? Oh yeah, you know? well basically what if I was to do a classic samurai story but um, turn it into a sci-fi fantasy rather than uh, rather than an uh, rather than a historical uh, historical fiction. Exactly, um, and that's why yeah, you have so yeah. many similarities between yeah. the two movies. It's almost like I don't want to say copy paste type thing that he yeah. did, but in a way there are a ton of similarities between oh, the movies. Yeah, well, yeah, and see, here's the whole thing: you can't say that it's in entirely cut for cut the same thing. Even George Lucas has said that. Yeah. But what it is is basically a lot of the themes of Hidden Fortress find their way into Star Wars because, <clears throat> and it, what Hidden Fortress is about, and this might sound familiar to the people who've seen Star Wars, is basically um, the Hidden Fortress is about um, what happens is. Um, it starts out with these two sort of peasants, and and they're they're, they're these there's these guys that that they're they're completely incompetent. They're not really that good, and hilariously enough, kind of indicative of the droids from um, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and they just fight and bicker amongst each other, um, but then they run into this um, they run into this this woman and and this uh, this samurai, and. Um, what they don't know, because basically they, they 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 agree to lead these people to this fortress where these guys are gonna go and fight this other lord, mm -hmm. and um, and and anyway, um, they don't know that the woman's actually really a princess, and the samurai is her protector. Yeah. Um, and like I said, once again, very indicative of of, of like the Luke and Leia characters in mm -hmm. that, and, uh, and like I said, there's so many elements in there. But it's it's similar, but not the same because once again, um, very different dialogue in both movies. And then also, um, you know, one is a historical fiction rather than the, where the other is a is a sci-fi fantasy. Um, anyway, um, so. And with Ronan Brothers, uh, pretty much it, it it harkens back to a lot of that. The whole a lot of things like I said, Akira Kurosawa, but even so many of the other great um, samurai directors. And yeah. I want the um, I want the comic book to have that kind of feel to it. In fact, um, it, you know, you know. In fact, I said one 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 of my favorite uh, mangas, uh, two of them actually. Um, I, I'm, I'm really a big fan of Roni Kenshin and a really big fan of Blade of the Immortal, as I've mentioned before. Yeah. And I want Ronan Brothers to have that kind of feel to it. So that's why it's going to be black and white, and the only splashes of color are going to be uh, red for the blood. Um, so, uh, but anyway, um, that out of the way, um, you know... Um, yeah, we can uh, now get to the whole point of this, which we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but uh, yeah, for those who, those who are interested, I'll keep I'll keep you guys updated. If you uh, if you want to follow, just follow me on places like I'm 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 on all over social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. You can follow me on one of those platforms. I even have a DeviantArt account, but I barely use it. So you're better off using the other three <laughs> platforms. I don't have a DeviantArt account, yeah. so you won't find my ass yeah. there at all. But yeah, you know, check me out. I'm on I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, and uh, and then you can keep updates about Ronan Brothers there. All right. Now that being said, <laughs> I I guess I think it's a good a good place to jump into the um, 
the great classic authors who helped to create the horror genre? No. Um, when you think of classic horror and you think of classic grimoire, yeah. you <clears throat> can't help but tip your hat mm -hmm. to probably the greatest horror author of all time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't tip your hat to this man, you are shooting yourself in the face. <laughs> because Edgar Allan Poe brought mm -hmm. horror to the forefront like nobody had ever before. Oh, yeah. Um, when you had a few people coming here and there, but I, but I, but I do like how you worded that, um, was the fact that Edgar Allan Poe, the way he did it was, was very different from a lot of his contemporaries. He was, uh, I, I guess you could say he was one of... Um, I mean, technically, maybe not the first, but he was one of the first really big recognized sort of gothic authors. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and, and then he created so many uh, great, like, gothic masterpieces, you know. I mean, there was the poem of the raven. Yeah. You, you know, you got the short story of the telltale heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. The, the, the fall of the house of Usher. Fall of the house of Usher, exactly, you know. Um... Uh, I mean that 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 right there that that one uh, mask of the red death yes <laughs> um, the black the, cat yeah exactly yeah I was just saying the black cat <laughs> um, you know no so many great ones um, and 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 um, you know um, he he was one of those people that uh, whether it was uh, whether it was short stories poems or or even longer stories you know um, they all they obviously had an impact on much of the horror genre exactly i mean hell i mean one of my favorites is when uh, we'd mentioned before was telltale heart mm -hmm. um i'd even had to write a report about that back in high school <laughs> and uh and and, and, and and what's funny is i'd actually even wrote my own sort of hilarious variation on that but uh, like <laughs> uh, what i did was uh I, I turned it into sort of a macabre comedy is that i basically had this guy and there was this salesman who comes to his door and and the guy doesn't want to buy anything from him so he kills the man <laughs> jesus yeah but then but then but then but then he doesn't want anybody to find the body so he chops the man up and hides him under his floorboards that's horrible <laughs> but but it's reminiscent of the telltale heart it is um and for those that aren't familiar with it, Telltale Heart's a story of a man who um, basically um, he's um, he's a caretaker. He's for a caretaker. He's a caretaker for an old man, and 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 he gets paid for doing this. But what happens is is that the old man, um, the old the old man has this sort of. I don't know what you call it, like a lazy eye or something. It's but, a vulturistic eye is how yeah. it's set in the story. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and what happens is it just slowly drives this guy insane mm -hmm. until he kills the old man and then chops him up and puts him under the floorboards. And what happens is it shows you where paranoia can go. Mm -hmm. Because the funny thing is is that um, the police come to investigate and they're actually almost convinced that he's done nothing and are going to leave. Yeah. But what happens is during the whole conversation, he... He keeps hearing this beating heart, and um, and and it's just driving him slowly more and more nuts. Yeah. Until finally, right before the police are about to leave, and he's about to be exonerated and cleared, <laughs> um, he drops to his knees and confesses everything to the police. Yeah. <laughs> and he actually 
tears up the floorboards and yeah. he throws the heart at him. Uh, uh, and yeah, but basically he um he, he basically um um uh, uh, what do I put it? He 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 incrim incriminates, incriminates himself. Thank you. Yeah. He incriminates himself, uh, and and it's just so funny. You know, it's like. Uh, but at the same time, I like it. Very great macabre story. Um, you know, but I love the fact that you brought him up. I mean, yeah. I mean, one of uh, both of our favorite authors. Mm-hmm. One story, just real quick, that I yeah. always go to, and you really mm -hmm. got to give it to Stephen King, um, and how he mm -hmm. uh, decides to lift up how Edgar Allan Poe brought out the first murder mysteries. Oh, yeah, exactly. In fact, and what's funny is uh, even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle gives him a slight nod in the, some of the Sherlock Holmes books. In fact, in, in the first one, um, Studying Scarlet, um, uh -huh. he actually gives a slight tip of the hat to Edgar Allan Poe because Edgar Allan Poe, hilarious enough, a lot of people like to think that Sherlock Holmes was the first big-time fictional detective. Yeah. He actually wasn't. Um, while he became certainly the biggest, mm -hmm. um, it, it, I love the fact that you bring this up. It was actually Edgar Allan Poe that had created his own sort of uh, titular um, detective character yeah. that, that would solve crimes and whatnot. But, uh, but, inter but interestingly enough, um, but yeah, so um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle could he, uh, has even said that one of his inspirations for doing Sherlock Holmes was some, was some of the mystery stories that Edgar Allan Poe had written. Exactly. <laughs> and one of those mystery stories that it's it's interesting because you never really understand how um, deplorable a person can be unless you actually see it with your own eyes. And the cask of Amontillado mm -hmm. really shows you <clears throat> how a friend can be a friend at one time and at the other... Mm -hmm. He can be someone who wants to just murder the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, basically, um, I, I think one of the things that it really goes to show is that do we truly really know someone? Yeah. Because even, even those we call our best friends, like I said, I like to think that you and I know a lot about each other. Mm -hmm. But hilariously enough, no matter how much we do know about each other, I think there's even still some stuff that you and I don't talk to each other about. There's stuff that we keep to ourselves that we don't let anybody know about, that it's just between us and really us. Exactly. <laughs> and moving on from... <clears throat> Edgar Allan Poe. I actually, I actually wanted to touch on this uh, if it's cool. No, you're good. Um, but uh, but I want to talk about somebody who started the modern monster horror genre. Oh, okay. And I want to go back and talk about Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley with uh, uh, Frankenstein yeah. really gave you a perception of monsters that hadn't been seen oh, yeah. ever because mm -hmm. before monsters were someone something to be feared something to be well, scared of and mm -hmm. Mary Shelley brought out um Dr. Frankenstein who had brought out the monster mm -hmm. and the monster was confused when he came to life cuz he didn't know where he was he didn't know what to do and, and so the towns got, yeah, and so yeah. the townspeople were very scared 
And, and they persecuted him. And they and, persecuted the crap of him because he yeah. was different and, and that, he wasn't like them. And well, and then sadly what ended up happening was the monster itself had ended up becoming vindictive and, and, and ended, actually ended up hating Victor for creating him. Exactly. And, uh, and you know, and then basically started taking <coughs> revenge on him for doing so. Um, but what I like about it is, I mean, because it's still a horror and it's still very much scary. Yeah. But what it does is it gives a different kind of twist to it. Because most, most things prior, I think, to Frankenstein was basically you just had like creepy stories about people walking through graveyards and then monsters coming out to get them or something. Yeah. Um, you know, um, very cliche horror story yeah, type. Yeah. And, and there's a few ones that stand out here and there. Um, cause I think, uh, I think prior, uh, I think prior to Mary Shelley, you did have, um, God, what the hell's his name? See, and so, so, because I, I, I had, I, I have a book, but, but uh, anyway, it'll come back to me when I'm not thinking about it. But the, the um, author who wrote um, the uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, um, that was, I'd say, really a precursor to Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. But basically, it was, uh, once again, and not that I'm mocking it, because it's one of my favorite uh, sort of horror stories to read, but, um, but, but it was very indicative, like we said, of the time, basically. Yeah. Think about it. It's, you know, Ichabod goes through this, uh, I mean, hilariously enough, beforehand, it's more of sort of a story about two guys competing over one woman. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but after, after the fact, when he gets into the scary sort of headless horseman part, really, it's just, you know, Ichabod rides through a graveyard, he gets attacked by the, the spirit of, 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 you know, of a, of a horseman that died in the, uh, revolution. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the Hessian soldiers, and um, anyway, um, you know, and then uh, supposedly kills Ichabod, um, you know, depending on how you interpret the ending. But uh, <laughs> but but what I'm saying is that was kind of the I'd say probably the precursor to Frankenstein. But what I think what Mary Shelley drove home in Frankenstein uh -huh. was she drove home that uh, that kind of the humanness, I guess, would save the monster. Um, was the fact that even though you knew the monster was wicked and you knew that the monster had to die, there was a certain amount of empathy that you felt for that monster because you could understand why it came to the point that it did. Um, because that was, in a way, Victor Frankenstein's own hubris in the fact that he tried to play God. And the fact that um, the monster realized that there was no place in society for him. Yeah. And like you said, he did get very mm -hmm. vindictive and kind of psychotic against his creator because yeah. he realized that he was the reason why he felt this way. Oh, yeah, exactly. And well, and then the fact that, you know, it's like because he said he tried to join man's world, but man's world rejected him. Uh huh. And and they basically, yeah, and they basically... Um, they would rather kill that which they did not understand, yeah, than than to actually, you know, uh, than to actually, you know, try and um, be maybe a little bit sympathetic. And moving forward into yeah. a couple of decades mm -hmm. um, ahead of time. Oh yeah, moving forward, we're a little bit forward in time, but uh, same century. Yeah. You have a man who comes out with a mythos <laughs> that is just, not only is it built on horror and just scary, creepy creatures, yeah. this man has the mind of a genius like Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, yeah? I'm talking about 
H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, actually, um, um, I think he was he was born in the 1800s, but uh, actually he came into prominence about the same time as Robert E. Howard. Uh-huh, exactly. Which was um, the late 1920s, early 1930s. Yes. Um, and uh, and, and uh, he had, uh, both him and Robert E. Howard, um, had submitted a lot of their stories to a magazine at the time that was called Weird Tales. In fact, what's funny is um, H.P. Lovecraft's first name is Howard. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of coincidental, but you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> well, and, and another interesting, cool thing is the fact that um, is the fact that both H.P. Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard were actually good friends. Yes, they were. In fact, they talked quite a lot while they wrote their oh, yeah, different stories. They, they wrote extensive letters to each other, mm-hmm. and, it, it, and, and, and 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 they were good friends. But but I do I do agree. You know, um, H.P. Lovecraft was was an awesome author. Um, he. Um, he was one of the uh, fathers of, I guess what you could say, like the um, sort of modern... Uh, he, well, I think what he did was... And I love how you brought him up right after Mary Shelley, because <laughs> I think what H.P. Lovecraft did was he, he took a mythos like what Mary Shelley did, yeah. and he just kind of expanded on it. So like, what are the fears of, of mankind? What are the dark corners of our brain that we don't want to see? Exactly. And, and he explored that. <coughs> and, 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 and one of the things is he, he gave it form. What do people hate? We hate creepy crawly things. We hate slimy things. Yes. We, you know, we hate we we hate creatures with tentacles. You know, <laughs> it's like I mean, I mean, hell, he he created Cthulhu, and this this was a monster who was basically a sea monster that had like tentacles all over its face and arms. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know. It was basically, um, I like it. It was like everybody's nightmare come to life. And he actually, just like J.R.R. Tolkien, had made his own monster universe, his own monster language, and a book, the Necronomicon, Mm -hmm. which came from making the Call of Cthulhu. Oh yeah, well they were basically the well the Necronomicon. For those who aren't familiar, yeah, is basically a compiled. Compiled stories that involve Cthulhu and the mythos of Cthulhu, um, and, which is amazing. Oh, if yeah. you haven't read yeah. it, you yeah. need to get it. And and uh, and I actually want to <laughs> and I actually want to segue into another author as well. Yeah, but, have but, at but, it. But, but, he, but he works along, and I love the fact that he brought up H.P. Lovecraft. Is like another because one of the things that H.P. Lovecraft does is, um, and especially if you read the Call of Cthulhu, yeah, it's it's done in almost like where it, it's from in this first person view, and this guy does it in a series of journals. Mm-hmm. You're reading it through a series of journals of these strange happenings. Yeah. Well, another person who did that and sort of the precursor to H.P. Lovecraft would be Bram Stoker. I knew you were going there because yeah. when you said journals, the first thing that came to my mind was Jonathan Harker and me yeah. and his journals back and forth yeah, yeah. while he was visiting Castle Dracula. Yeah, well, exactly. Bram, <laughs> Bram Stoker did the same thing. Bram Stoker, um, the whole entire story of Dracula is told through all the various journals of people because you have Jonathan Harker's journal, you got Mina Harker's journal, you got the journal of Van Helsing. Yeah. <laughs> and they all they all crisscross and mesh yeah. and they all intertwine within yeah. each other. When you read yeah. Dracula, you realize that all three of these people 
you know, they're literally intertwining the story together. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, and so that's where I think that both Bram Stoker and H.P. Lovecraft were very similar, was because a lot of the stories were like that. They'd be almost told through a series of letters and journals to various people. And that hadn't been done before. Oh, yeah. It was a very new type of writing. Oh, yeah, and, oh, and, and not a whole lot of people even uh, still do it since, because... Um, Writing in the first person, hilariously enough, is starting to become a bit of a lost art. It really uh, is, yeah. because yeah. It, to be first person, you have to basically talk as if you're talking to the audience while mm -hmm. you're writing. And one of the things I can actually bring up, hilariously enough, segue into my own into my own stuff. <laughs> no, you're is, good. Is, uh, is, is hilariously enough, one of the things I do in my Reiner Demon Vanquisher story, um, which... Um, uh, which I actually still occasionally will write some scripts on every now and again. Mm -hmm. um, I actually write that in the first person because what it's supposed to be done is it's it's told as uh, it's told as if you're uh, as if somebody's reading um, uh, Reiner's journals. Yeah, and I love <laughs> I love the fact that you say it's a lost star because if it were to come back, uh -huh. um, I believe that a lot of people would have one of two you know, reactions. A, they would be very, very excited to see this kind of storytelling come back. Yeah. You know, the old folks like us who love that kind of writing. Of course. And then the new and then the new people mm -hmm. would be excited and confused at the same time because they'd, <laughs> they'd never read something like this unless yeah. you'd had parents who grew you up on the classic. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so, so, so I want people to know that, yeah, I'm act I've actually been tackled the first person and, uh, and that's what I'm saying. Um, because because Reiner, even though it's it's a comic book and and you still got the panels and everything, when you see the captions, the captions are going to be written in first person. See, and I love that you bring that back because yeah, um, you need this type of mm -hmm. old way of writing to keep it to keep people understanding that the old writing isn't lost. Mm -hmm. It's uh, very much still in the air, yeah. And it, it, it just for my opinion, I think it needs to come back. Well, it can, it can keep you the know? perspective, because yeah, because what a lot of people don't know, and uh, for those who want to become writers, and I'm actually give this a big, a little bit of advice here. Okay. Don't want to become writers. There are three perspectives in writing. And I learned this a long time ago, and you learned this a long time ago. Oh yeah, I think we um, learned it in the same class. Yeah, there's first, <laughs> there's first person, which basically. Um, whenever you are talking for the main character, you always use I. Yes. You're using is as, as a basically as if this is your experiences, but it's through the filter of your character. But it's always I. I did this, I did that, and this thing happened to me. Uh-huh. Um, then there's actually, and this is actually lesser used than any other perspective. There's second, there's, there's second person. Second person... Is basically almost like uh, there, there was these a series of books. It was called Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, and, oh I love those. Yes, yes, they were <laughs> awesome. But second, but but yeah, uh, but second person is basically when the dialogue is you did this, you did that. Yeah, um, this thing happens to you, um, and that's that's actually the the, the least used. The the second second perspective is actually the least used of any perspective. For, I said first person, first person perspective, um, 
even though it's not as as used as the third person. Yeah. First person's still much more used than second person. Second person, I'd actually have to say, is the least used. Um, the only time I've ever seen it used is is the Choose Your Own Adventures and or the uh, and they had these Indiana Jones books that were called Find Your Fate. Exactly. <laughs> now you you see so much of the third person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that's, and that's the, and that's the, and that's the third and final one mm-hmm. is third person perspective, and that's the perspective most people know. Is basically that's when you basically say, um, you know, um, Joseph did this, or 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 Jennifer did that, or you know, yeah. um, um, and then he did this, she did that, you uh, you know, um, they did this whole thing, um, um, but basically. Um, third person is basically when um, when you're basically you've totally detached. It, it, it's 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 basically not not as if somebody's saying that oh this happened to you as in second person or yeah. hey this is a story I'm telling about myself as in first person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the most commonly used perspective is third person perspective. Now I don't know if people knew this or not, but Stephen King actually yeah. bounces back and forth between all three yeah. within his stories. Well, once again, it depends on the story he's writing. Uh-huh. Um, but the whole point is, is, one thing he's good at is if once he picks a perspective, he sticks with it. Throughout the entire fucking book. Yeah, so if it's first person, <coughs> it stays first person. If it's third person, it stays third person. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if Stephen King's ever used second, uh, second uh, person perspective. Uh... No, he hasn't. Uh, strictly for the fact that he doesn't like it. <laughs> He's, uh, he has um, said this many times that second person is basically like the death of authors. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's kind of bold coming from a guy that's got 60 fucking books. Well, um, plus at the same time, I mean, once again, I guess it's just a preference. I just chalk that down to preference. Yeah. I don't hold it against Stephen King, but <laughs> and, and once again, a lot of people are like blast me that you say the that the the that uh, that the, the, the god of writing is 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 wrong. But I mean, I'm gonna say this. I I don't agree with him on that. Yeah. I think that there's room in any kind of writing for any perspective, and if you can make a decent story with second person perspective, you go right ahead. Yeah, exactly. Now. Um, what's interesting is a, about the horror genre is the fact that it has taken a front seat again mm-hmm. with new writers and oh, and, I, 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 I and know it's harkening back to classic authors exactly the new writers who actually are fans of the classic old writings and I'm talking about the indie supernatural horror writers that are coming yeah. out in droves these past. Mm-hmm. Five, six years, we've seen such a new perspective on the old ways of writing horror. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really, really excited. Oh, I yeah. really am. Because I've got a couple of friends that do that, that do the supernatural romance. Mm-hmm. And you see, um, like, Sarah Bailey. Mm-hmm. She does a fantastic job writing about devils, angels, demons, vampires. Oh, yeah. She does a fantastic job. And she doesn't twilight it up. She, and, she's an, and she's an awesome person, too. Yeah, she's a fantastic individual, yeah. and it's really interesting because she gives you the perspective of characters that not only are horrific, and they yeah. can do horrific shit, Yeah, they also are characters that are very relatable. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's like, I mean, uh, you know, um, 
And I think, you know, once again, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say this to make one person sound better than the other, but, um, but, but I'm going to give Sarah this whole entire compliment, is that I think one of the great perspectives she has, and especially coming from the genre that she's doing, and yeah. especially when she's kind of touches on that horror thing, mm -hmm. um, is that I think one of the great things is, is I think, I, I think it helps that she's European. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because, because, you know, and for those that don't know, <laughs> Uh, a lot of our current horror writings originated in Europe. Exactly. And that's not to say that American horror isn't awesome. I mean, you got Stephen King, Anne Rice, Dean Coons. You got H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, but once again, it's... You got and, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it's derivative of the older European authors. Exactly. And you've got to tip your hat. I know that's a pun for Europe. <laughs> uh, to the European authors of horror because they really gave you what horror was supposed to be about. They, 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 they're really good at capturing that, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, you know, because I'll give a tip of the head. I mean, because uh, a lot of my favorite horror stuff comes from Europe. Um, yes. A lot of my favorite books, all my favorite authors. Now, once again, I am not sliding anybody from America because there's plenty of them that I like. But once again, my the ones that I just kind of hold up high. Yeah. It's like it's like the older the old ones, like I say, like Mary Shelley. Bram Stoker, uh -huh. you know, I mean, they helped start that kind of thing. And then, uh, you know, and and then, like I said, and then uh, even with cinema, even with cinema, you and I talked about this, some of our favorite horror movies were the Hammer horror movies out of England coming <clears throat> from the late 1950s into the early 1970s. Exactly. Now, I'm going to take a sidestep real quick. Yeah. Since we're talking about Sarah Bailey and her fantastic supernatural super romance writing, yeah. go to Amazon.com, mm -hmm. get Des um, Demon's Destiny, Vampire Kisses, mm -hmm. and there's so many more that are amazing. She's on, I believe, her sixth book so far. And she's just kicking all sorts of ass. Oh, yeah. And and, and, and leave her a really great review because when you yeah. buy your books and you read them, you're going to get nothing but amazingness from her because not only is she such a fantastic mm -hmm. author, but she paints characters so well that it's almost like you can make yourself that character while you're exactly. reading the story. Exactly. No, so. I'm like, and, 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 and I agree with you. And, and, uh, and, I, like, and I like that. And, and uh, she's one of those modern authors, as you said, um, that, that, that it's almost like, it's like, it's like she just got it. She knows what the tone is, what the feeling is of the classics. Yes. And she recreates that in her own stuff. Exactly. Now, um, to go just a little further ahead in the horror genre... Oh, yeah, definitely. I know we have did a complete podcast on this fucker. <laughs> you know, but, but, but hey, if there's something you think we missed, go ahead. I mean, uh, I kind of already know who you're talking about, <laughs> but go ahead, say his name. Stephen motherfucking King. Stephen motherfucking King. You know, <laughs> that is his, I, I, that I, is I, his I, middle he, name. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> but for those that don't know, that that's his unofficial full name. That's right. Yeah, that's right. His parents, you know, you didn't know, but his, his parents, uh, you know, named him Stephen motherfucking King. But, you know, wasn't PC, so he had to get rid of the motherfucking. <laughs> exactly. So it's just Stephen King instead of Stephen MF King. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's not Stephen Motherfucking, it's just Stephen King. <laughs> Play on words. There we go. <laughs> Fun with words. Exactly. Now, 
One book that he has come mm-hmm. out with that I have read yeah. time and time again is yeah. Insomnia. Oh, yeah. And Insomnia is about a man who loses his wife. Uh, he slowly loses sleep, can't get sleep anymore. Yeah. And he starts having these hallucinations about yeah. these doctors and just the horrific shit that he goes through and he sees. You got to give it to Stephen King because... When you read Stephen King, mm-hmm. you stay up at night afterwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, you definitely. are scared out of your fucking mind. Oh, definitely. And then, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you touched on these things, and it's awesome, but I'm all excited. It's always great when we throw in new stuff. And in fact, and, and I'm going to bring this guy up. We haven't brought him up in a while, but but I know he's another favorite author of yours as well as mine. Yeah. Um, but I'm also going to go international here. Oh, um, please do. Um, but but uh, one author that I really like, and, and I've actually even got you into it, is uh, Hideyuki Kaikuchi, also known as the creator of Vampire Hunter D and Demon City Shinjuku. Now, I haven't read Demon City Shinjuku, yeah. however... If you get a chance to read Vampire Hunter D, mm-hmm. please do. Not only is it a fantastic take on vampires, mm-hmm. it is so gorgeously written that you're almost mm. thinking this is about vampires. Well, you can, you kind of get the <laughs> idea that Hideyuki Kaikuchi is like you can tell that he's a big fan of guys like Bram Stoker. Oh like, yeah, he's. Yeah, and once again, and this is why another reason why I love the fact that you bring up modern authors who are inspired by classic authors, uh-huh. because you can really tell. You read Vampire D, it feels like an old time vampire story. In fact, I was reading uh, Vampire Hunter D way mm. back in the day when you showed me. Yeah, and I was thinking this feels a lot like Bram Stoker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. This is an awesome book. Yeah. This is really good. Oh, yeah. And uh, and, and then I also want to suggest, and I know you haven't read it, but you know what? I'm actually almost finished with the book, and you can borrow it. But, okay. Uh, but, uh, but they also suggest that you check out Demon City Shinjuku, because Demon City Shinjuku is the story that Hideyuki Kaikuchi came up with before he created the character of Vampire D. Yeah. And it's the story of this guy who... Um, um, who's actually got this supernatural ability to be able to kill demons, and he actually does it... He, impa- he he basically powers up this wooden blade yeah. with with his chi, and it actually is able to destroy monsters. Isn't that um, actually an anime movie that you and I have seen as well? Yeah, exactly. They did make an anime movie out of it. Um, I would recommend both the book and the movie, but I will warn you on this, is that the, the, the book and the movie are actually very much different. They really are. They're, uh, th- there's only a few things that they get right. The, the basic plot is the same. Um, the, um, the, they have the same names of the characters, um, but, um, but, but there's been various changes. Um, so what I would say is both, I recommend, I highly recommend the book, I highly recommend the movie, but go into them both with an open mind because they're not going to be the same thing. And I believe for me, my opinion, that's what makes them both amazing because you get fresh perspectives of the same idea Mm -hmm. from two different Two oh, different yeah. side, uh, two different sides. Oh yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, with Demon City Shinjuku, the basic plot is is that you have um, you have this uh, evil you have this evil sorcerer who's basically um, dabbles in black magic and has basically made a deal with the uh, with the demons of the underworld mm-hmm. to basically take over all the world. But what happens is is that uh, 
their their plan um, their plan is going to take ten years. So unfortunately, they're only able to take over the entire city of Shinjuku at first. Yeah, which is why they call it the Demon City, mm -hmm. and just basically based way in the future. By the way, for those that aren't familiar, um, and uh, anyway, um, the uh, main character um, is uh, <coughs> is a character named Kiyoya Izayoi. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, um, he's the son of actually a great, um, Nenpo master, and that's actually the ability they use. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, and, and his father was named Genishiro. And, uh, anyway, uh, Genishiro was killed basically trying to at least contain the, uh, and that's actually why he wasn't able to take the world over right away, the, the sorcerer. Yeah. And, uh, he was able to contain the amount of, uh, the amount of damage that the demons were doing to the one city of Shinjuku. Um, but unfortunately it cost him his life. Yeah, and, he used all of the essence of his yeah. life to keep it contained so mm -hmm. it didn't overthrow the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, anyway, his son, Kiyoya, um, basically what happens is, uh, there's this uh, person who's basically um, become the. By this point, I guess uh, you know, and once again, this is where you know it's fiction. Is uh, the nations of the world have kind of come together, and they and and they have this one president who kind of represents all nations. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, this guy is basically kidnapped by the demon forces, uh -huh. and uh, and basically, um, uh, what happens is is that. Uh, um, you know, he only has a certain amount of time to live, and then they're going to kill him, and then the world will fall to darkness, and then, uh, you know, the demons will rule everything. Uh, Kiyoya's mission is to basically go into Demon City, get rid of the evil sorcerer, um, and then basically, you know, save the world. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and anyway, uh, but it's another one I would I would suggest. So, uh, so yeah, what, what, so, so I like the fact you brought up Stephen King. So, yeah, I want to <laughs> take this time to bring up Hideyuki Kaikuchi. Please, look up his works. And, in fact, another one to look up, and, and I just recently found out about this series myself, is another vampire series that he does called The Aishikaiden. That one I have not. You're going to have to show yeah. me that one because this is new to me as well. Oh, yeah. No, that's good. Okay. I'm finding some gems from this guy, so no. no I'm I think totally okay it. with that. <laughs> as long as you share. Don't be a greedy fuck. Oh, uh, yeah. But, <laughs> man, like I said, no, and I, and I, and I, and I agree. You should support some, uh, some, some, you should support some authors, uh, especially, especially ones that are alive, you know? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, the dead ones don't need your money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, so no, I'm glad that you also brought up Sarah Bailey. You know, she's a, she's a great author as well. Um, in fact, I might shoot you some of her yeah. books because they're no. short. Yeah. They're really easy to read. Mm -hmm. And she, you can just tell she's a fantastic author. Oh, exactly. She takes her time with her books. And no, and that's good. That's good. I think it's, I, I, I think it's actually really nice, uh, to hear that. So no, mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely want to check that out. Um, <coughs> person I actually want to bring up, yeah. um, because hilariously enough, he's, he's written some books, but he's also directed some movies and some really twisted stuff. But I, you're talking I, about Clive Barker. Yes, <laughs> I, I wanted to at least before we, before we actually uh, get close to wrapping this up. I wanted to bring up. Oh. We couldn't bring up horror authors without bringing up Clive Barker. Clive Barker put his stamp on the horror world universe so intently that if mm -hmm. you haven't heard of him, it's just you gotta punch yourself in the face. Oh yeah, because Clive Barker brought. The type of horror that you see mm -hmm. nowadays that is it's just scary. 
it, it's it very, really it, is. It's, well, it's, it's very, very visually scary. Yeah, well, very visceral, <laughs> I guess is what you would call it. It's very yeah. visceral. Because um, what I like about it, what, what Clive Barker does is not only does he scare you visually, but he scares you on a mental level. Oh, he, yeah, he, he fucks with you like yeah, crazy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he, he does exactly like I said, he, he mind fucks you. Uh-huh. I mean, he's one of those people that... Uh, it's not pleasant. Of, yeah, as when, no, matter, no matter how many times you watch his movies, it's just it's, it's just it's a trip, you know. I mean, seriously, to this day, just like uh, I watch any one of his movies. I mean, well, hell, I mean, you can watch this one, which is considered a classic among his movies. You watch Hellraiser, or oh, and, hell, you can read the book. The book's even more twisted than the movie is. Oh God, yes, the book's. Oh Jesus <laughs> Christ, that's like a fucking. Yeah. You know, that's like if you were to read um, A Clockwork mm-hmm. Orange, and Clive yeah. Barker would have read it. Yeah. It's like a whole new fucking trip of weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was weird enough when Stanley Kubrick did it, but if Clyde Barker was to do it, then it'd be on a whole other level. It's like, Jesus Christ, why isn't this rated X? <laughs> but, dude, Clive Barker, oh, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know what? In <laughs> fact, yeah. why don't we do this Wednesday a whole hour about Clive Barker and his... Yeah. You you heard it here, folks. Uh, uh, so, so so if you want to look forward to our next podcast, we are devoting the entire next podcast to everything Clive Barker. I uh, you know what this new podcast is gonna fucking be awesome because we're gonna be delving into the <laughs> twisted shit fuck mind of Clive Barker. Barker. <laughs> this man has twisted my childhood. So that just looking at trays makes me want to die. Well, hell, I mean, seriously, <laughs> seriously, I, I am still, I am still traumatized. I was like, and hell, I didn't even get to watch the whole thing until I was a teenager. But the, <laughs> but the funny thing is, like, you no, know, I mean, but as a small kid, like my brother used to, um, my oldest, my oldest brother, David. Yeah, um, yeah, he uh, he used to um, watch watch some horror movies and sometimes as a little kid i'd wake up and i'd just like sneak around the corner to see what the hell he was watching you're a brave fuck you know that. i know <laughs> no, sadly i kind of regretted this one but one time he was watching hellraiser and it was all that weird shit was happening oh god i was traumatized for years to come it was like the first time i watched the thing and got my and got my head screwed with that's your own goddamn fault <laughs> <laughs> however i totally understand because i watched hellraiser when i was a teenager and I was like, nope, never again. Nope. I didn't watch the sequels. One is enough. That's it. Yeah. Fuck it. I don't even care. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, so pretty much, you know, that, that uh, scarred my childhood. You um, opened a whole new Pandora's box of hell when you brought up Clive Barker. You realize this? And you know so funny? Kind of apropos considering the fact that, uh, that Hellraiser's actually about a Pandora's box of evil. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to love this podcast. Oh, jeez. This is going to be awesome. Okay, well, um, I say this is a good time. This is a good time, so we can probably finally get to our recommendations. Um, our I, want novel, you, our I novel. want you to go first. Okay, well, yeah. Okay, well, uh, novel recommendations and comic book recommendations. As far as my novel recommendations go, you know, um, you know, and I probably suggested this before, but you know what? Um, I would suggest anything Hideyuki Kaikuchi. Yeah. Um, either start with Demon City Shinjuku or Vampire D. Either one's a great jumping on point. Just read any one of those uh, those series, and it's so totally worth reading. Um, and uh, as far as comic books go, um, 
My recommendation this week um, would probably have to be... Um, Man, so many good ones, you know. Sadly. I mean, we are comic book writers. Yeah, so, you yeah. Know, I, I we have know. a catalog. Yeah, that's a, that's a sad <laughs> thing. Is I have, you know, it's like it, it, it's still rising. You know what? I'm actually going to suggest this because of the fact that it helped to inspire my own comic book series, Ronan Brothers. Um, for comic books, I'm going to suggest Blade of the Immortal. Ooh, nice. Yeah. yeah so please check out Blade of the Immortal. You can find the uh, you can you, you can find the mangas uh, you know printed by Dark Horse Manga. Yeah. Um, you know you can uh, you can buy some of the individual volumes, or if you want to have um, you know if if, if you want to have much more thicker stories, they've actually got the Blade of the Immortal omnibuses. Yes, um, they do. So 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 yeah, check out. There's several volumes of the omnibus. Uh, each of the omnibus has about the equivalent of three of the regular manga volumes. Yeah, and you can find those actually on Amazon for right. actually a pretty good price. Oh yeah, not and not only Amazon, so. but you can actually go to your local Barnes and Noble and they carry them as well. Yes, they do. Um, or if you have like uh, a Borders or something like that, if you don't have a Barnes and Noble, they have it too. Oh yeah. Or if you have a comic book shop that sells manga, they may actually have it as well. Yeah. Or they can order it for you. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean, it's definitely worth it. Definitely check it out. And so those are my recommendations. Okay. Um, and, uh, what about you? What's your, what are your recommendations? My comic recommendation is one that not only when I was mm. shot the PDF for it, mm. I was extremely amazed and by the talented genius of Brian J. O. Glass. Oh, nice. But when he shot me furious and yeah. I got to read it, oh, mm. my God, the man is a genius. Oh, yes. No wonder he takes so long with scripts because you can tell the love and the care and the awesomeness that grows through each script. Mm -hmm. dude, dude, you know what? He is freaking on point. I don't know. I mean, seriously. exactly. No, I, and and I love how intelligent the man is too. I mean, um, seriously. I mean, I, I can't I can't praise him enough. And so, no, I'm glad that you brought him up because I mean that is good. <laughs> and 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 uh, and you know what? I'm even to add to that too because uh, if 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 you like Furious, I I I dare people to also check out Mice Templar. Yes. Um, I have still yet to read the very first graphic novel of Mice Templar. However, I mm. am going to get to mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh what about your novel recommendation my novel recommendation um would definitely definitely have to be sarah bailey's vampire kisses nice um it we're, we're plugging you there sarah it is the <laughs> second book in the ser in the after dark series i believe that demon's destiny mm -hmm. is the first one if i have it convoluted sarah when you see me when i come to scotland you can always punch me in the face and buy me a beer <laughs> <laughs> you know she wants to take you up on that or buy me a beer and then punch me in the face i mean <laughs> you, you, you pick how you want this to end up because <laughs> i'll be good with either or as long as i get to get punched in the face <laughs> so, it's, so it's more about the violence part than anything <laughs> i mean you know beer's good <laughs> Anybody that can buy me a good hard alcohol from Scotland, I'll be their friend. As long as the beer keeps flowing. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely look up Sarah Bailey's After Dark series. 
on Amazon, you will not be disappointed. She mm -hmm. is a supernatural horror romance writer that is just fantastic. She's just amazing at how she writes and yeah. uh, her prose and yeah. how finely she details her characters. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you want to be the character within the story going through the events that they have to go through. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, no, no, and that's actually what some of the best authors do. So, no, I mean, definitely I got to give praise to Sarah. So, I mean, once again, shout out to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, I guess that about wraps it up, eh? Why are you fucking Canadian? <laughs> hey? hey, you know what? The Canadians are awesome. No, no messing with the Canucks, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's it for this podcast. Shout out to my friend and co-host Jared Gifford. Thank you. Go to www.indieplanet.com. Buy Darren Captain of the Stars one, two, three. Wait for four to come out. It's coming out this year. I'm oh, so excited for this. Also by The Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe. And remember to keep staying tuned because we're going to keep you updated <coughs> on the progress of the Ronan Brothers. Exactly. Now, all a fantastic new week. Give each other a hug. Tell each other that you're awesome. Uplift each other. Do what you can to help each other out. Mm -hmm. And for the love of God, buy our comics, goddammit. <laughs> So, have a great new week, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Have a good one.